What can we learn about the Utah football team by breaking down their tape on both sides of the ball against UCLA? We're talking about it on today's Locked On Utes. You are Locked On Utes, your daily podcast on the Utah Utes. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everyone, and thank you for making Lockdown Utes your first listen every single day. We are available on all platforms, including YouTube and wherever you may get your podcast. If this is your first time listening to our show, make sure you guys like and subscribe. We're nearly at 2,000 subscribers, actually, so can't thank you guys enough who continue to support our show. And um, it was, well, as I said on Saturday's show, it was great seeing a lot of you um, just meeting different fans and everything at the game on Saturday. I had a lot of fun out there, as just like the Utah Utes did, and we're going to be talking about that game very shortly but first I want to talk to you guys about our friends at LinkedIn Town Solutions these days every new potential hire can feel like a high stakes wager for your small business that's why LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the right people for your team faster and for free post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on college terms and conditions do apply my name is JT Wister Silva and we're intern inside the University of Utah Athletic Department and on today's show we're going to be talking about Utah on both sides of the ball what we saw from them against UCLA after I've watched watched the game live of course and then in person too and then now gone back and watched the tape for it so I'll have my thoughts on that also a new fun Monday segment that we started last week returns opponent observations we're going to save Oregon State stuff for next the next like the rest of the episodes this week because it is a short week with the game on Friday but do you want to talk about some of the things we saw for teams in the Pac-12 that are going to have huge ramifications on Utah playing them eventually? But as I mentioned first, let's start with this Utah offense. So uh, just answering the question, why did the Utah offense struggle? And to be honest, the answer is complex. It's a lot of things, I think. the I really think Jalen Glover's playing really well. That'd probably be the one position where I'm like, yeah, I really don't have any no-sir issues or anything. Like, did Jalen maybe miss a cut once or twice? Maybe like just watching it live and, and going back on tape. It's like, oh, maybe he could have bounced that one to the outside, gotten a couple more yards there. But overall, whether it was Jalen, we know Jaquindon got hurt, unfortunately. Um, and we don't know. No updates on that, as always, with Kyle Whittingham. So hopefully Jaquindon can be back this week. We That's another thing. Short week. Maybe it'll be tough. But I feel very good about Jalen. And we should start to see more Chris Curry, too. So all that stuff plays into it. But feel very good about the Utah running backs. Everything else. Yeah, they've got. I mean, when this is your drive chart, let's just do it. Um, punt, punt, downs, punt, 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 punt. Um, then you had a kickoff, then a punt, or excuse me. Then you had the t- – actually, I, I, there we go. I'm actually looking at the wrong side of the drive either way. But that doesn't that kind of sound like the Utah's offense? It's actually their second-half drive chart, so we'll get to that. So it was actually the, the missed field goal then a fumble, then downs, then punt, punt, then touchdown. Then you had the halftime. Then you had punt, 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 and then the half. So yeah, that, that's obviously not great. <laughs> and what is the reason for that? Well, like I said, multiple things. First, Utah, just when they get get up, and that's we've seen this a little bit now, and you have Nate Johnson back there, they just don't trust Nate as much as Cam. That's pretty evident by watching the game. Nate was only allowed to throw the ball in this one if you're just – Looking at the numbers, nine for 17, 117 yards. Watching the game live, I just, I did Nate play a great no, but I don't think he played that bad because I don't really think they gave him an opportunity to do either. Yes, he had two fumbles that were, were not great, especially the second one, obviously, where he's just on the bootleg rolling out and just loses that one. The other one was a good play by UCLA. That, that other, the second one was just kind of Nate losing the ball a little bit, which has been a little bit of an issue, something I'm sure he's working to clean up too. But once again, they only gave him a chance to throw 17 times and 
on so many of those dropbacks, he was pressured. I believe there was a stat that was published that Utah's offensive line is giving up a decent amount of pressures, and the offensive line is definitely an issue, so we'll talk about that in a second. But Nate did make some nice throws. Found Devon Bailey, found Jalen Glover, found Landon King, uh, found Money Parks. Like with, with time and at moments, Nate did make some nice throws and things. I don't know if they're worried about Nate turning the ball over. That's what it seems like. It seems like that Utah got up with the lead early, and then it was like, okay, let's just play not to lose. That's I said that on Saturday. I still feel that way. Whenever you're running the ball three plays in a row and not just like late in the game, but like even earlier, to me that's playing not to lose, especially when you don't have a clear and distinct like trenches advantage. It's not like Utah was running the ball three plays in a row and, oh, they got 15 yards. Like They would barely grind out a first down, or it would be two run plays in a row, and you guys – Second and long runs, not my, it's not my thing. Uh, they're never going to be my thing too. And uh, you look, Nate, even when dropping back, like Nate early had, had was his scrambling was huge for this Utah offense. You could see that back too. Just even when UCLA trying to track him down, like Nate's just that athletic. He can shake those guys. So I don't understand why Nate wasn't allowed to drop back a little bit more. I think he should have been, like I said, only 17 pass attempts. So only dropping back probably a total of, 20 something times overall, if you factor in kind of the sacks and maybe the fumble or two like that. So definitely want to see more if Nate does start this week and it's going to be a, a really good game this week. If Nate does have to start and even if camp starts, I still think Utah could be in a lot of trouble going into the season. I predicted this would be a loss for, for Oregon state. Now, after seeing them against Washington state, which they only lost that game by three two. that's may, I think Utah will have a chance to win, of course, but this is going to be a very tough game no matter what. So you're not going to, be able to win this by playing not to lose. You're going to have to put the ball in Nate's hands and allow him to make plays. And he's shown the potential and ability to do that. Overall, I, I still thought he played solid last week. I really do after watching the film. Yes, he'd miss a throw or two. And yes, he took a bad, something happened there too. But like, especially when Nate, who's only, who that was his first ever Pac-12 start. I, I saw someone across the field also making his first Pac-12 start. And, and we saw how that went for Dante Moore. So uh, let's keep that in mind too. Nate shouldn't have to like the offense shouldn't have to rest on his shoulders at times. And because you're only getting two or three yards in the running game, and that's in part because they're loading the box. Like you need to give Nate more opportunities to throw. And that's where the offensive line also comes into play, right? Like every week still uh, different offensive line, get me multiple times. Now I will say lot to their defensive end. I mean, he just, he popped off tape once again, like that. He's, he's really good, but their first third key third down in the game. I think, yes, this is the one where Utah ended up missing the field goal. Uh, Nate ran it, and then they pitched it to Jaquindon. I don't think Utah ever went back to that. And I could be wrong, but I, I don't think Utah ever went, went back to that, and they really should because if Satawa takes care of the linebacker who shot under him, Satawa just couldn't flip his hips and turn quick enough to get a hand on him, it was an easy first down. There was no one there, and that guy was the only one who could make the play, and that was just one more. Satawa missed him. Um, just going down the offensive line, uh, Jaron Kump up and down once again. You can see... Like, this is where I think Utah does miss Johnny May a little bit. Just comp like in the third and one late in the game, he got blown up a little bit. There's a couple in pass protection, the one sack that came straight through. That was one. Look, maybe Utah was sliding the protections. These are things we just don't know because I'm we're not in these meetings. But the guard, their guard and tackle on the right side had had up guys they had to take. And then uh, Jaron Comp moves to the left. It opens up that free gap that allows the linebacker to come right through and smoke. And he doesn't even give Nate a chance on that play. So it's stuff like that. Uh, Spencer Fano, same thing, right? Up and down once again. Latu got the better of him a lot because they were moving him around. And that UCLA defensive line is pretty good. The UCLA defense is good. Look, they made life tough on Utah, but Utah also made life tough on themselves by their play calling, not trying to be more aggressive too. So yeah, the offensive line is still a work in progress from a run blocking standpoint and is still in pass protection, picking up blitzes, uh, doing those all sorts of things too. But this is Jim Harding. I trust him to get it right. And they're still playing well overall, but this, like we said, they're, they're giving up pressure at a high, at a high rate, at least in terms of compared to when other what other Pac-12 teams are currently doing. So just something to keep an eye on. 
Uh, pass catchers, I, I still like Vele got open a couple times. I still think that's one of those things too, where it's you know Nate just getting more comfortable giving the necessary time. To me, the bigger issues were not guys getting open. It's not, once again, it's just not the skill position players. It's uh, much more so the whether you're talking about the play calling being conservative or like Nate Johnson still just gaining that experience and especially the offensive lineups and downs. Those to me were the biggest issues for Utah offensively. And it's something they're going to have to fix and be working on this week because they got a very tough test in Oregon State too. But even if Utah offense isn't at their best come Friday night, they're still going to have a chance to win probably because of the level this Utah defense is currently playing at. And we're going to talk about just how high a level that Utah defense is playing at in one moment. But first, I want to talk to you guys about our friends at LinkedIn Talent Solutions. These days, every new potential hire can feel like a high-stakes wager for your small business. You want to be 100% certain that you have the access to the best qualified candidates available. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the right people for your team faster and for free. There are tons of great candidates out there ready to get to work for your company today. And it's easy to find them with LinkedIn Jobs because you can create a job post and add your job to the purple hashtag hiring frame to use your LinkedIn profile to spread the word that you're hiring. They have simple tools like screening questions that make it easy to focus on candidates with just the right skills and experience so you can quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview and hire. It's why small businesses rate LinkedIn Jobs number one delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on college. It's all caps, no spaces. LinkedIn jobs. Oh, excuse me. That's linkedin.com slash locked on college to post your job for free. Terms and conditions do apply. Also, I want to talk to you guys about another one of our friends of the show in UCCU. Learn and earn the UCCU mobile banking app that pays your entire family to learn about money. Kids look to parents to become more financially literate. Parents don't always know the answers. Learn and earn breaks down financial topics into fun, bite-sized educational games like quizzes and trivias. And every time a family member completes a topic, they earn points that can occur and can be redeemed for gift cards to stores like Amazon, Apple, Sephora, Walmart, Nike, and more. There's age-appropriate content for every member of the family who compete against each other and track their progress on leaderboards. Learn and earn is inside the UCCU mobile banking app, so play it anytime, anywhere. The more you play, the more you learn. And the more you learn, the more you earn. Learn and earn, part of UCCU's award-winning B-Money Smart Youth Banking Program, helping kids, teens, and parents have fun while becoming more financially literate together. UCCU, love where you bank. All righty, coming back into this one, let's talk about the Utah defense. And uh, I should have said this off the top of the show, but I do apologize for the, the delay in releasing this episode today. I had a little bit of uh, early, early travel time that, uh, and some issues with the hotel Wi-Fi last night. So I realized quickly that, I wasn't going to be able to get this episode out. And I was like, okay, we'll just do it at home. So appreciate all of you for, uh, for putting up with that. And tomorrow we will be back regular 9am or 7am for the YouTube. And then whenever you guys get up, the podcast is always going to be available. So let's talk about this Utah defense, right? With the offense, you had to talk about some, a lot of the bad stuff because whenever you only have, what were the final numbers offensively? Um, 117 yards for Nate and 102 yards rushing overall. And just so many punts, especially in the second half where even as an offense at all, you only scored seven points on in the game. So, that's just the kind of thing where that's obviously going to clog up a lot of the time, but uh, there's so much positive to talk about with this Utah defense. And first I'd love to start with the Utah defensive line. I believe Jonah Ellis is actually, I think I saw leading the nation in sacks right now because I think he's at five to maybe even more than that. He's at he had three and a half line. I mean, he was incredibly at 10 total tackles, five solo three and a half sacks, five tackles for loss. And uh, just watching the film. I also want to shout out Logan. Fon. I still can't believe he did only have a half a sack. I guess like he just, he created so much pressure. What I love about this Utah defensive line right now is you have two elite edge defenders and pass rushers, I should say, because Van Fillinger is an elite edge defender too, but he is not as explosive and as just as good a pass rusher as Logan Fano and also a uh, Jonah Ellis is 
in this game, you have Jonah and, or just throughout the season, this is what Utah has that makes their defensive line so potent. You have two defensive ends in Jonah Ellis and Logan Fano who have elite bend around the edge. So if you can bend around the edge, turn that corner, what does that force quarterbacks to do? Step up. Who is waiting for those quarterbacks when they try to step up in the pocket? That'd be Junior Tafuna and Keanu Tanuvasa. And both those guys, when left one-on-one with offensive linemen, can drive them into the backfield. So when the quarterback steps up, that's where a Junior Tafuna can come in and engage too. And Tanuvasa is really athletic too. So like the one play where he got his sack on, um, that was a total bust by UCLA. He was blocked. The guard like blocked him for a moment and then passed him off to the center to try to pick up a blitzer. And uh, I was just kind of like a, a total miscommunication, kind of like one of those crazy things where it's like, how does that happen? And then that's where you know, Tanovasa ended up blasting more. He lost the ball. So um, I just really love this Utah defensive line. I heard they're appealing the suspension for Vaimahi. I hope that goes through. Um, they said they weren't sure, just getting the clarity of it. I, I still don't love the call, but I, I guess letter of the law, all of that stuff is, is why it happened. So sure, not a fan. But either way, the defensive line deck, it was great to see Samote Peppa get back in. And I think as he gets more ramped up, he's going to get even better as the season. It was still pretty good in this game. Vaimahi, that was a huge pressure he forced on more one with the one he got the flag onto. And defensive end-wise, Van Van Fillinger should be back soon. Hopefully Connor O'Toole can get back. This is a defensive line that literally go, it feels like they go eight deep. And that was something, you know, it was said in the going into the season is like the two deep for Utah is scary. But, you know, you hear that from a lot of camps and you're always just like, okay, is it true? We're seeing that play out along this defensive line, like how deep in this unit actually is with so many guys able to get home. So, so impressed with Jonah Ellis, Junior Tafuna, Keanu Tanavasa, Logan Fano. Last thing I'll say on uh, Ellis and Fano really quickly is uh, Ellis is just, he can get home in so many ways. Whether you talk about his strong hand fighter, his good job understanding leverage, getting his hands inside the pads. He can win with the spin move and it was still so disappointing. Like, I think he would have had another sack. I understood why he, you know, just kind of holding up the tackle. It looked like on that third and long completion after watching it back, like Logan Fano, a bunch like Utah gets home there. There's a lot of guys that are there, but they just can't quite bring down more. So Ellis just kind of gives up. If he keeps driving the offensive lineman back and just disengages, he's right there for the sack. But I understood like, I'm not like, Oh my gosh, this is a terrible play by him because he was just driving his buyback. He thought they had him down. Just, just made a small mistake. And, Obviously, he more than made up for it by really helping Utah win this game, and because uh, the, the Bruins also really struggled with the crowd noise. That's a credit for you guys, and uh, I guess me a little bit. I was I was in the crowd as well, trying to make some noise too. So uh, it was actually my first Rice Eccles, uh, my first game ever at Rice Eccles Stadium as a fan, and uh, what a great experience it was. I've been up in the press box for um, so many other home games, but it's just fun to hear how loud it gets and to be a part of that atmosphere. And uh, it was cool to see the, you know the players. You could tell they were feeding off it a little bit too. And Dante Moore was not, and the Bruins offensive line was not having any of it. They were really struggling all game long to get plays off and just hear things. And you could tell it was a chaotic and crazy environment and one, the true freshman who did make a number of nice throws. Dante Moore did, but I say a number, I should say like three to maybe three to five nice throws. And the rest was pretty rough miss throws and getting pressured and sacked because Utah threw him off his game. And that's a credit to the defensive line because you got Joan Ellis, great hands can win inside and out with that bend. And Logan Fano is just a speed demon too. I'm, so excited. when you're talking about the future of this Utah defense, and I should probably save this till I talk about like line linebackers and cornerbacks and all that, but like, and I'm sure I'll miss some names off the top of my head, but like when you're talking about Lander Barton, Justin Medlock coming into the fold, even stronger next year, um, going down the defensive line, still Tufano leading the charge up front with multiple of those other depth pieces back into the fold too. And of course, Sione Vaki, like this is a special, special defensive group and it's more than the defensive line. Let's talk about the linebackers a little bit. Uh, the defensive line in the running game also did a very good job holding their blocks, and Utah's linebackers are really good. They make those tackles when given those opportunities. That's what Karene Reed does. Um, and Utah obviously also brings Cole Bishop and Sione Vaki. They brought one of those guys in the box pretty much the whole time. I really liked what they did with Teo Johnson playing him on the back end, and I thought he did a good job 
uh, helping to take away a lot of the opportunities that the Bruins had had deep to. So really thought Teo Johnson played well because they played him at safety a decent amount of this one. And also just going back to the linebackers too, obviously Lander Barton's forced fumble was crucial. Karene Reed's interception where that one was kind of funny because I've, I've watched it a couple times now to see Dante Moore's eyes. Um, it's like two quick crossers. He looks at the first one, but then the first one is so close to the second one. Karen is right there. I think that's one that UCLA will evaluate and be like, okay, they'll kind of coach him up on like, Hey, if you're trying to look linebackers off or stuff like that, maybe, maybe look in the middle or obviously look to the right. That'll get them to drift their feet over a little bit. And then maybe that pocket will be there because it was a great pick by Karen Reed and he read it easily read it and make a play. So uh, Utah's linebackers balled out in this one. Like I said, great job. Just bringing down, filling those rushing lanes, doing a good job, stepping up, making tackles on the Bruins physical backs. And uh, what was UCLA ended up with this one rushing, rushing yards wise. It was, only nine yards in total, and they had all the negative yards with Dante Moore. But still, I mean, you held Hunt. You held both their two prominent backs. They each had 11 carries, and you held both of them under 32 yards. That's really good. And this Utah front seven was ferocious. And part of part of that front seven, the reason it was so ferocious was the play of the safeties. Whether you're talking about Cole Bishop doing his thing or a uh, Sione Vaki as well. Vaki is just, man, just watching him fly around, make tackles in space. He just does it so well. So both those guys dialed in for Utah, do a good job of forcing runs back inside or just making those tackles in space, as I mentioned, breaking up plays on the back end to their they're part of the, they're just huge. There's awesome chess pieces for Morgan Scally to move around and do whatever he wants with. And I truly believe they're the best safety tandem in the Pac 12, Cole Bishop and Sione Vaki for their ability to help shut down offenses. And whether it's be elite in coverage or come down and play in the box, they both do a great job of it. So linebacker safeties were good. Cornerbacks were also really good. Like, yes, Miles Battle got beat once deep and uh, there was a drop late. But also, like, even if Utah had only given up 14 points in college, like, that's really good. <laughs> like, this is a UCLA team. Utah has made UCLA, um, Baylor in some ways, although they also looked awful against Texas State, of course. Um, but then obviously Florida, like Florida and UCLA especially. Those are two teams that I do think UCLA will eventually work their way back into the top 25. Those are two potential top 25 to top 30 teams. And Utah forced them to have their worst offensive performance. And that's a total credit to this defense. So that's even the defensive backs when they'll get beat a time to two. Like Zamaya Vaughn, we barely called his name. Thought JT Broughton played well. Miles Battle still does nice things. And I already mentioned Teo Johnson kind of roaming the back end to being that, uh, doing the extra stuff that he does too. And Sione Vaki played a little bit of nickel in this game because of Teo doing such a great job on the back. So the Utah defensive back shined in this one too. And they, I mean, Dante Moore was 15 for 35 with an interception and 234 yards. And he did have the one touchdown late and credit to him for making that play. But Utah made the true freshman look like a true freshman. And it's what we said would happen too. If you looked at the numbers and everything, it it would be weird if Dante, there was a chance Dante Moore could, because I do think he has the talent to, but like true freshman quarterbacks, track record shows us coming into Rice-Ackle Stadium, it doesn't go well. And it didn't go well for the Bruins offense too. So yeah, it's just, I think so many fans in college football forget what an advantage that home field advantage can be. They just look at games on a, a number on the paper and all everything like that. And they're like, oh, our team's should be better than yours. You have your backup quarterback out. And it's like, well, you have a true freshman who's never, this is the most hostile environment he's ever played in. And we got a defense that hasn't given up more than four, even two touchdowns in a game this season. So once again, got to like Utah on that one. And they did, they balled out and it was fun to watch and see flying all over the field, making those tenacious plays defensively. And I'm excited to see them against this Oregon state offense. We're going to be breaking that down uh, this week. And I'll be giving my thoughts on Oregon state and what I think they'll try to do, what problems they may or may not present to Utah. That'll be on tomorrow's episode of Locked On Utes. But before we get out of here, I do want to talk about some opponent observations, and we are going to be doing those in one moment. But first, I have to tell you guys more about one of the sponsors 
of today's episode in Athletic Brewing Co. It's now time to give out the Game Changer of the Week, brought to you by Athletic Brewing Company. Much like, I would like to give an honorable mention to Morgan Scali because I thought the defensive like game plan was masterful, but for the Game Changer of the Week for the athletic, our Athletic Brewing sponsorship, I'm going to roll with Jonah Ellis. How can you not after the performance he has? So Jonah Ellis gets it after that three and a half sacks and applied numerous more pressure and just gave Dante Moore a very, very rough day. But Athletic Brewing Co. Has com- Brewing has completely changed the non-alcoholic beer game. They make non-alcoholic beers that actually taste really good. Athletic Brewing Company has completely changed, like we said, the non-alcoholic brewing game. Their brews are great tasting and award-winning, and they beat out full-strength beers in global competitions. They brew over 50 styles of craft non-alcoholic beers, including IPAs, Golden Sours, and more. They're constantly releasing limited edition experimental styles to add to their variety. They're really fit for all times. You can join while watching the big game, going to your kids' games even, tackling work or working out because there's no hangovers ever. So you can find Athletic in-store, online, and at bars around the country. They're the fastest-growing non-alcoholic brewery in the U.S., so get on board. You can find Athletic Brewing Co.'s non-alcoholic brews at a store near you or buy online at athleticbrewing.com. First-time customers can use code Locked On to get 50% off your first order online. That's code L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N at checkout, all caps, no spaces, for 15% off at athleticbrewing.com. Near beer exclusions and conditions apply. Athletic Brewing Company, fit for all times. All righty. Before we get out of here, opponent observations time. This is something we started last week. And as I mentioned off the top, this is not going to be at Oregon State. We have... By the time we're recording this on Monday. So we have four full episodes that are going to be used to break break down the beeves and what is going to be a fun top 20 matchup between the Utes and Oregon State. But first, I thought we'd look around the Pac-12 and talk about some of these teams. And the ones I want to focus on today is USC, Washington. And then we'll talk a little bit on the Oregon and, uh, and Colorado game, too. So I was watching the USC game and uh, just thinking I was thinking the same thing a little bit that we saw last year, because, you know, USC right now, they're the. Um, I just blanked on the ranking, the fifth ranked team in the country, or at least they were at the time of this game. I, I can't remember if they felt the six or not, but anyways, um, they're still undefeated. It's been a top, a top 10 team for sure. Um, 42, 28, they beat Arizona state. They played at Arizona state in that one. And another example of, it can just be hard to play on the road in college football sometimes. And that's what, what will be Utah's struggle going to the Coliseum a little bit, but this USC team still has their issues, right? Defensively, they gave up some drives and give it uh, Kenny Dillingham a lot of credit. He got extremely creative and did a lot of different things. Uh, what was it? We saw their running back attempt four, three passes, and one of them should have one of them should have been a touchdown too. He overthrew his uh, the intended target on that one. So credit to Arizona State for getting wild. But look, this is still a USC team that goes through ups and downs at time because it can't. The game can still fall on Caleb Williams in moments, and that defense is still a usc defense is it maybe a little better this year it should be but once again just give 28 points and you let arizona state score in every single quarter like in your first opening pac-12 game this was the game where you could have showed how dominant of a defense you were to me hold them under 15 points do what utah just did to ucla but that's not what this usc defense is, is capable of doing so i think utah especially once cam rising gets healthy which he will be back i'd be shocked if he's not back by the usc game more than i'm already shocked we haven't seen him yet this season like it just when I mean, he was out there warming up on Saturday, we saw him and he, we saw him throwing the ball. He was the first one, um, you know, when the quarterbacks warming up in the first go around, like this was something everyone just in the bleachers could see this. Um, when the quarterbacks came, when everyone came out in pads before they'd started to do their teamwork, the order was Cam, Nate, Bryson, 
like if that goes any indication to kind of show you where where things are at still like cam was still like the first one he'd throw like two throws and then they let nate get in and get the rest and then the team work and obviously cam didn't dress but cam is getting closer this utah offense is going to be able to score on this usc defense and this utah defense is going to be capable of getting stops whether it's just because you know caleb williams is going to try to get out of stuff and get sacked now he can get sacked and lose 20 yards and throw an 80 yard touchdown because that's caleb williams and how special of a talented playmaker is but Utah can definitely beat the Trojans again this season. That was reinforced to me just watching Saturday because that defense still isn't great. One team, though, and I said at the beginning of the year, I thought this could be a loss for you, probably will be a loss for Utah, because as much as I'd love for Utah to go undefeated, just predicting that doesn't usually work out pretty well. So um, one of the games I looked at was Washington, and Washington looks really good. You had people tweeting out, I'm not sure Washington's not the best team in the country right now. And uh, it's always hard because we only played a few games, and you know some people are like, oh, Georgia, but that's more based on preseason rankings than what they've actually showed because they have no quality wins. But Washington against Cal. I'm not calling Cal a quality win, but Cal is better than, any. I believe, anyone that Georgia's played. Either way. Washington, 59-32, to 32, they beat Cal. How was Michael Penix? He was pretty good. 304 yards, four touchdowns, two receivers in Polk and Adunes over 125 yards. They even ran for 140 yards, too. And their defense, as I mentioned, held, held Cal to 32. So not great defensively there either. That's another one where I'm like, okay, Utah can, Utah can hang with them. But if Utah's hanging with Washington, it'll be a shootout. Sure, Utah will force a punt or two, maybe. I have a very hard time Utah seeing like Utah hold Washington under 20 points. Cause I don't know if any team in the country is going to be able to do that because of the level of Penix is operating at because of the level the receivers are playing at there. So that is going to be just as a college football fan, the Washington offense, one of the most prolific in the country, same thing goes with the USC offense, taking on one of the best defenses in college football in Utah's. I can't wait to see how that plays out. I think it's going to be a great battle and it's September 25th. So I think we have, we have over a month until a month and a half until the Washington game and less than a month away from Utah's final battle, at least for the near future. I know Kyle Winningham already commented like he thinks that Utah will play UCLA again. But either way, their last matchup on the docket for USC scheduled currently uh, just a, less than a month away, which that game was so great last year. How can you not be excited for the rematch with all the storylines and everything that factored into that? So going to be a fun one to check out. But look. Both USC and Washington, Washington especially, just looks really good. They just continue to submit that they're a true contender, and their defense does have some some things. Utah can win that game for sure, but not gonna not like Utah's gonna roll into Washington and be a favorite unless Washington really falls off and Utah gets Cam back and looks really potent right now. So, final game: Oregon, Colorado. Look, forty-two to six. Um, I've been it's been fun watching the Buffs. I've really enjoyed it. One of my favorite games to watch this season so far has been their one against Colorado State. But like, it just it felt like they were due for the fall. I thought the line was. I was surprised at the line still. Like, I think it was twenty plus, and obviously Colorado ended up winning by even more than that. So uh, it shows you that hey, Vegas knows, right? That's unless it's unless it comes to Cam Rising, which they kind of pulled that back at the last second. We still don't know what all happened there, why the a line shifted, and let me do an entire Friday show where I'm talking about Cam stat predictions because we thought he was going to play and he didn't. So, and we'll be talking about this week, all the news and reports that come out about his availability for the Oregon state game. So make sure you guys keep an eye out for that. But going back to the Oregon Colorado game, look, Oregon's really good. We know this. And especially in Austin, like they were bonix eight, 276 yards, three touchdowns ran for 240 yards on the ground. Troy Franklin, 126 yards and two touchdowns when this team's clicking, they're really tough. And we saw them clicking too defensively. Really, they got a ton of pressure on Shador and made life really hard on him too. So, uh, really quick on Colorado, I still think like I think by the time the season's over, I do think the Buffs will be in the top twenty-five. Maybe I'll be wrong on that, but I, I think they'll still end up in the top twenty-five. I just think they have the talent offensively to continue to find ways to win games, and I think 
like Oregon's a tough matchup for them. And they got other tough matchups too. So I could be wrong, but it's still going to be interesting with them coming to Rice Eccles Stadium. Utah should win, but I'm not sure Utah's going to blow them out. They could blow them out, but I, I'm not sure anymore just because of the level should door. And by then, Travis Hunter should be back too. Although Travis Hunter wouldn't have made a difference in this game. Um, but really quick on Oregon. Yeah. I mean, they look, the Ducks look really good offensively. And Dan Landing has got some more of his guys in defensively now. They're locked and loaded and they look dangerous too. So it's, it's exciting to be a Pac-12 fan because you got some great games on the docket. It's unfortunate for Utah's like college football playoff chances because I just have a hard time seeing Utah going 3-0 against USC, Washington, and Oregon. And Utah's going to have a tough enough time if Cam Rising doesn't play on this short week on a Friday, beating Oregon State too. So a uh, lot going on in the Conference of Champions in its final year and for Utah in their quest to three-peat for the first time in the in the Pac-12, a common Pac-12 era and the last time opportunity to do so, of course. Um, we'll see if Utah is able to do it and it continues this Friday with that game against Oregon State. We're going to be breaking down their offense and defense on tomorrow's show at Locked On Utes. So make sure you guys join us then and that'll do it today. We'll see you tomorrow.